want you to know that you're an honored guest. We want to encourage you, if you are looking for a church home, then we want this to be your home. And we want to invite you to consider the work here. There is a place for every person to serve the Lord in this community. And so we want you to join hands with us. Help us make known New Testament Christianity in this community. We're going to be looking at Mark chapter 1 in just a moment. The passage that Austin read a moment ago, we have the account of Jesus preaching and teaching throughout all Galilee. And while there, the Bible tells us that he came in contact with a man that had leprosy. And as a result of this encounter, the leper enjoyed cleansing. I want us to think for a moment or two about the theme today, the touch that transforms. When you think about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, there are no doubt many, many things that could be said about his life and work. One of the things that strikes me about Jesus is the fact that he and he alone has the ability to transform the hearts and lives of people. When you read Mark chapter 1, and you see the encounter that Jesus had with this man with leprosy, it is apparent that Jesus made a difference, a profound difference in his life. Not only did Jesus make a difference in his life, but he made a difference in the lives of countless others. And it's my conviction that Jesus can make a difference in your life, that he can transform your life and make you what you ought to be in the eyes of God. So we begin today by talking about the compassion of Jesus. As we think about the compassion of Jesus, Mark tells us that Jesus was moved with compassion in our lesson text, beginning in verse 40. I want you to note with me verse 40. A leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. First consider the plea of the leper. Now it's in this context that we read about his conduct. Matthew tells us that not only did this leper come before Jesus and kneel, but he says he worshiped him. That says to me that here was a guy that obviously had some kind of knowledge about Jesus. He understood that this is the one that can make a difference in my life. I wish people today could understand and appreciate who Jesus really is. If they would honor him with the same kind of reverence or respect. But then I also think about his conviction. Look at what he says. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now that says a lot right there. About the fact that here was a man that believed in the power of Jesus. Now we talk about the deity of Christ and some of the attributes of his deity. Jesus was worthy of his respect or reverence, yes. But this man believed that Jesus had the power to transform his life. 
You think about leprosy and what a scourge it was to people in the first century. What a scourge it has been to people throughout the centuries of time. They were ostracized. And yet, here's a man that believes Jesus has the power, the ability to make a difference in his life. Now there's a second thing I want you to see and that is the passion of the Lord. Mark said in verse 41 that Jesus was moved with compassion. Did you know that Jesus has compassion on all who are suffering? Down through time, over and over again, we read of instances where Jesus demonstrated compassion towards those who were sick and suffering and sorrowing. I think about what Matthew tells us in chapter 14, verse 14. When Jesus saw the multitudes, and the Bible says he had compassion on them and healed their sick. In Matthew chapter 20, there's the account of two blind men that here Jesus is coming through town. And they cried out, Son of David, have mercy on us. And despite the crowd insisting that they be quiet, they cried the more. And so Jesus wanted to know, what can I do for you? And they said, Lord, that we may receive our sight. And Jesus was moved with compassion and touched their eyes. And immediately they received their sight. And Matthew says they followed him. That's a transformation of life. And so Jesus has compassion on those who are suffering and sick. He also has compassion on those who are struggling. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 9 that Jesus on one occasion saw the multitudes. They were weary and scattered. He had compassion on them. And he said they're like sheep having no shepherd. There are folks in our world today that are suffering, sick. They are struggling with any number of problems and issues in life. I want you to know Jesus has compassion. I want you to understand that Jesus is a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, as the Hebrew writer would say. The writer said in chapter 4, verse 15, we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but one who has been tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus is sympathetic to our plight in life. He is compassionate. In other words, he moves on our behalf. And he does that because he has pity and mercy, because of his love. There's a second thing I want you to see in our lesson text, and that is the care of Jesus. Not only do we read of the compassion of Jesus, but we have the care of Jesus. And I believe it is, I believe it is demonstrated in his words, I am willing. Think about those words for a minute. 
A leper comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. There are a lot of things Jesus could have said. Do you think Jesus was busy? Do you think he had a lot of things on his mind? If we read some of the preceding verses, he had risen early in the morning, gone out into a solitary place, and there prayed. We find Jesus preaching, teaching, casting out demons. A lot's going on. And yet Jesus says to this leprous man, I am willing. I want you to understand that today, Jesus cares about you. He cares about me. And Jesus cares because he loves you. He loves me. He loves everyone in the human family. Jesus loves those who are straying. There are lots of people in our world today that have lost their way in life. I think about Luke 15 when Jesus told a series of parables. The lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. All were valuable. And you see that in those parables is a representation of God's divine care and love for those who are straying. There are people in our world today, they have clearly lost their way in life. There are some, they've never obeyed the gospel and their lives are a mess. There are others that have obeyed the gospel and yet they've gone back into the world and yes, their lives too are a mess. Jesus cares about those people. Not only does he love those who are straying, but he loves those who are scorned. It's interesting to me that Jesus often reached out to those who in some respects were untouchable by others in the human family. Think about it in Matthew chapter 9 when Jesus went into the home of Matthew who was a tax collector and the religious leaders of that day wanted to know why does your master eat with tax collectors and sinners? They couldn't understand why would Jesus want to have anything to do with these quote unquote outcasts of society? What about in John chapter 8 when the woman was taken to Jesus in adultery? John says, in the very act. Now we understand that there were ulterior motives by those that brought her to Jesus. But here was somebody that had no doubt made a grave mistake in life. And yet Jesus will often be found reaching out to those who were scorned, looked down upon. I think about Jesus at Jacob's well as recorded by John in chapter 4 of his gospel. Here is Jesus spending time with a Samaritan woman. She was a half-breed in the minds of many people. John said the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. They didn't, they didn't think that they were worthy of associating with. And yet what Jesus do? Jesus spent time with that lady and transformed her life. As a result of that, not only did she enjoy a transformed life? But the Bible says many of the Samaritans were transformed 
by her testimony and the fact that Jesus went and spent some time with them. There's a second thing I want you to see with regard to the care of Jesus. Jesus cares about you because he was lifted up. Did you know that he was lifted up for you and me? The Lord said in John chapter 12, and I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto myself. Isn't the, isn't the cross a portrait of the love and care of the Lord? When you see a picture of the cross, what comes to mind? When your mind goes back to Calvary and the events surrounding the cross of Christ, what do you think about? The care, the love of the Lord. Jesus said, greater, greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And then thirdly, I believe that Jesus cares because he lives to intercede for you and me. The Hebrew writer tells us in chapter 7, verse 25, that he ever lives to make intercession for us. Jesus is at work on our behalf as his people. The Bible tells us that he is our mediator. There is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, according to Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. Jesus is the one that has brought us together. That is, we were separated from God, and he has literally brought us together. He is living to make intercession for us. He is our great high priest, as the writer of Hebrews points out in chapter 8, verse 1. He also functions as our advocate. John said that if any man sins, let him know he has an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. The Lord Jesus Christ is standing before the throne of Almighty God, pleading our case when we fall short of his glory. With the assurance that we have forgiveness on the basis of his blood. And then there is a third point that I would call attention to in our study, and that is the cleansing by Jesus. In verse 41, not only did Jesus say to the leper, I am willing, but he spoke these words of transformation, be cleansed. We talk about the cleansing power of Jesus. The text says, as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Did you know that Jesus has cleansing power today in the 21st century? There's some things that I want to call attention to. First of all, Jesus has the power to cleanse you from the stain of sin. Now many of us are familiar with clothes, other types of upholstery. They get soiled, stained, they become dirty. And there are things on the market that will literally take those stains out. What I want you to see is that Jesus has the ability to take away the stain of sin. The only way he can do that is through his blood. 
Paul said, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. John would say in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins by his own blood. Paul said in Acts twenty two sixteen that he was instructed to arise and be baptized and wash away his sins, calling on the name of the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ has the power to remove the stain of sin from your life. Now that makes me think about a couple of things. And that is, it doesn't matter how deep you are in a life of sin. There are some folks, they are knee deep in a life of sin. There are people whose lives have been marred and scarred, tainted because of what they've done, where they've been, what they've said. And yet to know that Jesus has the ability to wash away, to remove the stain of sin. And then I also think about the fact that Jesus, not only does he have the ability to remove the sin no matter how deep, but there are lots of folks that are down. They're discouraged. It doesn't matter how down, discouraged you are about sin. Jesus can make a difference in your life. Did you know that there are lots of folks in our world today, they have the idea that they are beyond the scope of redemption? They wake up and suddenly it dawns on them, I have made a mess of my life. I think about the prodigal son in Luke 15. Took his father's inheritance, went out, in, went out into a far country and there wasted his substance with prodigal Riotous living. Spent everything that his father had entrusted into his care. Ended up feeding with the swine. And the Bible says he came to himself. You talk about somebody knee deep in sin. You talk about somebody who was down because of where he was in life. Let me show you how down he was about life. He said, how many hired servants of my father have bread enough to spare and I perish here with hunger? I'll arise and go to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. This guy was, he was rock bottom. And then there's a third thing. It doesn't matter how doesn't matter how deep you are in sin. Doesn't matter how down you are about sin. It doesn't matter how disturbing your sin. There are people in our world today, as I said a moment ago, they feel that they are beyond the scope of human redemption. Read, read the scriptures. I, I think about people that, that come to our assemblies. Their lives are a wreck. They know it's a wreck. They, they know their lives are a wreck. I think about people all over the globe. And, and they're bothered by their lifestyle. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and look at what 
some of the people in Corinth were living with and living in. Here were people that were living in fornication, adultery, homosexuality, drunkenness. There were thieves there. There were extortioners. There were revilers. I want to ask you this question. Let's just say that your life is upside down in sin. Maybe you're living in fornication or adultery or homosexuality or drunkenness or whatever. Do you really think your sad condition, do you really think that scares God? Do you really think that God in heaven says, you know what, I just can't do anything for him or her? Do you think God is powerless to change your life, to, to eradicate the sin, to transform you? The devil wants you to think you are beyond hope. Give up. Don't even think about it. Let me tell you what. The church exists today to bring glory to God and our business, we are in the soul-saving business. We're interested in people who, whose lives are marred by sin. Why? Because we have the remedy. We have the answer. The answer to a life that is burdened by sin is Jesus, the Son of God. Let me tell you another thing about Jesus. He has the power to remove the strain of sin. When you went to sleep last night, what was on your mind? What were you thinking about? There are lots of folks that go to bed at night, and you know what? They toss, they turn, they can't sleep, they wake up in the middle of the night, they can't go back to sleep, and you know why that is? Because they are burdened by guilt. They're living in sin. They know they're living in sin. They know their life is a wreck. It's a mess. And they've got this weight of guilt, this burden of guilt, and they can't rid themselves of that. Let me tell you what, I know who can. It's Jesus. Paul said in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You turn your life over to the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll sleep like a baby. I'm not saying that there are not consequences to our actions. I'm not saying that we're, we're going to be problem-free in life, but I can tell you this. You'll have the peace that passes all understanding, and when you go to bed at night, you won't be thinking about the past. You won't feel that weight of sin. It'll be gone, the strain of sin. And then what about the shame of sin? Is it not the case that Jesus has the ability to remove the shame of sin. We read just a moment ago about this leprous man. Jesus reached out and touched him. His life was transformed. We talk about the transforming touch of Jesus. I'm here to tell you that nearly 2,000 years ago, Jesus has that same touch and it can transform your life. He can remove the shame of sin. He'll make you somebody in the kingdom of God. There are lots of folks in our world today. Are they ashamed at what they've done in the past? Yes. 
But when you come to Jesus Christ, when you turn your life over to Almighty God, He will remove the stain of sin, the strain of sin, the shame of sin. Let me tell you what, when Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, and you've got to remember, he's writing to people that had been in the muck and mire of sin. And he said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Jesus made those people, he made them clean. He made them somebody. And he'll make you somebody in the kingdom of God. When you look at the life of the apostle Paul, and you think about what he had done as a Jew, as a zealous Jew, persecuting and making havoc of the church. Life changes that came about because he encountered the Savior. And so here is a, here is a classic example of somebody whose life was transformed by the power of Jesus. He can transform your life. I promise you he can. He can make you somebody. You can leave here with your head held high. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've said. You can walk out of here with your head held high knowing that you have been saved and cleansed and redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's a message worth selling. and That's what we have to offer people today. Yes, sin is bad. But we have the remedy. We have the good doctor, and that's Jesus. He is the great physician. I want to close by saying this. I know that in, in every assembly, there are always people that think about making a public response. I've had people tell me, I thought about going forward and I didn't do it. I want you to think about it for just a moment. Where are you spiritually? Has your life been transformed by Jesus? Are you thinking right now, I need to make some changes? Is that what's on your mind right now? You know you need to make some changes. The question is, when are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? going to do it down the road? Don't wait. Do it today. The best thing to do, just get started. Look, it's not easy living a Christian life. And sometimes as Christians, we stray. We, we get caught up in things we know we ought not do. We need to understand Jesus transformed us in the past. He can transform us today. The others never obeyed the gospel. Been thinking about it, but hadn't done it. Why not do it today? Your life can't be transformed until you make the decision to let Jesus do it. You see, the leper, he understood Jesus had that power. And he wanted that cleansing. It's a two-way street. You want to be cleansed? You have to take the initiative. The Lord's done his part, and the Lord wants you to be saved. What I want you to see is, today is the day. Don't wait. Don't wait. You need somebody to come down the aisle with you? Grab hold of the person next to you.
Raise your hand, I'll come to you. Whatever your, case, whatever your situation may be in life, come to Christ. If you've never obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, why not do that today? Believe that he is the son of God. Repent of your sins, confess his name, be buried with him in a watery grave of baptism, and guess what? You'll enjoy forgiveness. And then resolve to live faithfully until death, the promise being the crown of life. Whatever your need, wherever you are in life, we want you to know that God loves you, he cares about you, and he wants you home. Come as we stand and sing.